Hi, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I wanna thank you for joining us today online. I want you to go right now before we get started and download our app. You can download it from the Apple App Store or from the Google Play Store by simply searching Word of Life Carlsbad. If you would like to give today, then you can give online by going to our app or our website, or you can also text 84321, and when you search, just search Word of Life Carlsbad. Amen. Does anybody know any, anyone that uh, disagrees with you politically? Raise your hand if you know anyone that disagrees with you politically. All right. So let me, I, I, I won't even say like, let me urge you, let me just tell you this. If you have a friend, a colleague, a family member that disagrees with you politically, be nice to them. Can we do that? Why is it so difficult? Why is it that we have allowed the enemy to come in and drive a wedge in our relationships because of a political agenda? That's ridiculous, guys. Let's be the leaders and let's say, no, enough is enough. We can have our differing opinions and that's fine. But we stand together united in Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Enough of that. Well, I'm going to start talking today and we're going to talk the next two weeks on this subject called It's Time. Anybody enjoy your extra hour of sleep today? Yeah? Did some of you just wake up at the same time? Yeah? So you woke up an hour early? Or did some of you, did some of you uh, just stay up later last night because you're all, ah, I got more time, right? And then you just ruined it all. Well, I was thinking about this, and I kind of already had my, my message in place. I already had what I was going to talk about today. And then I was like, you know what? This makes perfect sense because time for daylight savings has run out. There's no more time. We're not saving daylight anymore. We're not bottling it up. No more time to save daylight. But there's another time that's running out. And I believe the time of, of you being held back by things in your life, you being held back by ideas and, and problems and situations and circumstances, that time has run out. The clock has run out on the enemy and Jesus is victorious and it's time for you to step up and to take your rightful place that God has called you in a leadership role to go and to take ground for him. You've been held back for too long. And it's time to make a difference. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Are you with me today? Praise God. I believe it's time to make a difference. Let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's spirit and it's life to me. God, I, I thank you that you have planted it in our hearts and you've given us the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. And so I ask today, Father God, that no one's faith in here stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God, that my words would not be just mere words of men's wisdom, but with the demonstration of spirit and and a power. We give you thanks today and we give you praise for what you're going to do in the hearts and the lives of people in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go first to Luke chapter 8, verse 22. This is going to be our theme scripture, this and one more for the next two weeks. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now, if we look at this um, context here, 
in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. Um, he is talking about sowing seed and a sower sows the word and some goes on the wayside and some goes on stony ground and some goes in the thorns and some goes in good ground and, and the disciples are like, bro, I don't really understand that at all. I don't understand what you're trying to say to me right now. And he says, what you need to understand is that the sower comes and sows the word and some of you receive it with gladness and then you throw it out immediately or the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things come in and they slowly choke the word out and it becomes unfruitful and you end up not doing what, what your purpose is and not fulfilling what God has called you to do. And he's talking about these things and he's explaining it to them. And he's saying, but, but you're called for so much greater. And then he says to them, look, this is verse 22. He says, now a certain day passed, he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. This is so important today. Let us go over to the other side of the lake. Guys, it's time that we go over to the other side of the lake. It's time that we stop saying I'm comfortable, I'm complacent, I'm okay being right here, living my life, doing my thing, kind of up and down. But now Jesus is saying it's time that we go over to the other side of the lake. So the disciples, they all get in. They're like, man, I'm fired up, Jesus. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Remember, he had just told them, the sower sows the word, and sometimes it's sown among the wayside. Sometimes it's sown among the stony ground. Sometimes it's sown among good ground. But sometimes we hear it, and we're all pumped up, and then we forget, and we abandon it. He says, let's go to the other side of the lake. That was the word of the Lord. Don't forget that. Let's go to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus fell asleep. He was living the life, right? Let's go to the other side. I'm going to take a nap. Not a care in the world. These guys are fishermen, right? They're professionals. They can take care of, a, of whatever goes on. I'm going to chill. I'm going to go to sleep. You guys take care of it. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. I believe this in your life, that once God has spoken a word over you, that the work is already done. The work is already done. Once God has spoken a word into your life, see, when we talk about salvation, Pastor said this last week in a roundabout way, and I don't know if I'm gonna use the exact words that he used, but he said this last week. He said, God has already done everything he's going to do about your salvation. He's done everything he's going to do about your healing. He's done everything he's gonna do about your provision. Sometimes when we go to God and we pray to God, we're like, God, please, God, help me. God, please, I need your help. God, please, I'm in a bad place right now. I need your help, and he's like, man, I already did it for you when I sent Jesus on the cross, and he said, it is finished, I'm done. I'm going to go to sleep now. I already spoke my word. It is finished. The provision is there. Just activate it. Just take it. Just use it. The provision is there. That's why when something happens, we don't need to beg for God to come and to intervene on our behalf. What we need to do is we can say, God, I thank you that you already intervened on my behalf by sending Jesus. 
you have already intervened. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. He went and he went to sleep. He already spoke. He said what we're going to do. We're going to go to the other side. And then there came a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, and they were in jeopardy. Man, did this get muffly or icky? It did. But was it bad a minute ago? You want me to grab that mic and just use it? Yeah? Oh, you're good. You're good. So it sounds good to you, just not to me. But I, I mean, I'm behind the speakers. I get it. I wasn't being sarcastic. All right, cool. I'll just keep going then. He says that a storm of wind, it came on the lake, and it was, they were filled with water, and they were in jeopardy. I think about this sometimes, and I think, man, these guys are like, they're, they're born on the, on the lake. That's what they do every single day. And a storm came up suddenly, so I looked up what happens on the Sea of Galilee. What happens uh, that, that makes a storm just come up suddenly? When I was doing research, I found out that the, the, the Sea of Galilee is placed in kind of a valley, and there's mountains to the uh, east, I believe, the eastern mountains. It says that the winds come up over the eastern mountains and then drop suddenly, and you can be there, and everything can be. It's kind of like Carlsbad. You can be outside, everything can be great, and then all of a sudden, boom! It's like 30 degrees, the wind's blowing, lightning, hail out of nowhere. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know we got hurricanes here. <laughs> and then in like 10 minutes, just when you get inside, it's all done. Or if Word of Life plans an outdoor event. <laughs> if we plan an outdoor event, it's gonna rain. Some people say, wash your car, nah. It's, it's when we plan it out. This has happened for years, you guys. Year. This one time, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. I got to get down here. So I stand outside. We're planning a huge, huge outdoor youth event for like 1,500 kids, right? Huge event. We have music. We have jumpers. We, I mean, you name it, we've got it. And this is like a citywide thing, and I'm, I'm involved in the planning. And I, so... There's rain in the forecast, and we have this guy coming from Midland. He's bringing these big jumpers, and there's rain in the forecast. I walk outside, and he, he calls me. He's all, hey, bro, the rain is coming down so hard right now. Oh, my gosh. Do you want me to turn around? Because once I'm there, all of a sudden it clears up. Because once I'm there, dude, you're paying for it. So I'm like, okay. Uh, I walked outside, and I was with... Um, Ralph Olivas, who was a youth pastor at that time at, at First Assembly up the street. We walk outside. We're right on this sidewalk. We walk outside. We look up. We saw the clouds. And I was like, ah, they're moving that way. We're fine. So I, I pick up the phone, and I was all, hey, Ricky, we're good. Come on. All right, bro, whatever you want. Hangs up the phone. <laughs> it has never rained harder. And, like, I, I've never been so wet in my life. I don't get that wet in the shower. It was so, my gosh. I'll say this, and, and I've actually wrote about half a book, Five Things to Never Do in Youth Ministry, and that's one of them. Um, but um, and I'm about halfway done with that. I haven't got to the good part yet, and like what you should do. It's just all the bad stuff. Um, 
We ended up moving that event inside to the First Baptist Gym. Total disaster. Oh, my gosh. These kids come in. They're wet. They smell. Junior high or smell anyway. They're wet. They're gross. If you're in junior high, I'm not talking about you. I'm just, I'm talking about all the other junior hires. So... They come in, oh my gosh, it smelled. We had all those jumpers inside that gym, plus like over a thousand kids with their shoes off. And then we decided to make cotton candy. Stupidest decision of my whole life. And then you have all those cotton candy fibers in the air. Oh man, it was sticky. It was, oh, it was disgusting. We cleaned up that gym for like three days. It was gross. So they're out on the lake, and all of a sudden, boom, this storm comes. Remember, Jesus is asleep. Let me just ask you something. Do you think Jesus was surprised by the storm? Not at all. He wouldn't have gone to sleep if he cared. Jesus, asleep in the bottom of the boat, chilling. They come, they're like, master, 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 oh no, master. This is very important, look at this. It's very indicative of us, look. They say here, master, in the King James Version of the Bible, I I think it's a a very interesting translation here. It says, master, master, we perish. We perish. See, some translations say, we're going to die. We're going to drown. This one, And I think it's very accurate. It says, we perish. What are they saying here? Master, master, we've given up, and we already feel like we've died. We've given up, and we already feel like we've died. How many times do we have a word from God? Let's go to the other side of the lake. We get in the boat. We're hanging out. It's like Pleasantville. Jesus goes to to sleep, and everything is great. And then all of a sudden, a storm comes, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've died. So they go and they wake Jesus up. Master, master, we've died. We've died. He wakes up. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the water and the rain. And it ceased. And there was calm. There was calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? I don't think that Jesus is challenging them there, saying, why don't you have any faith? What he's saying is, man, you had more faith in the storm than you had in your God. You had more faith in the storm than you had in my word that said we were going to the other side of the boat. Why did I go to sleep? Because I knew we were going to the other side. It didn't matter what happened in the middle. See, God has called you to go to the other side. It doesn't matter what happens in the middle. He's called you to go to the other side. And there may be storms and challenges that you face. There's a lot of bumps in the road. Shannon, did you plan to get sick? Not at all. But did God know that it was going to happen? And did he make provision? Praise God. 
Praise God. See, he already did everything that he was going to do. He said, it is finished. And he said, look, I want you to go here. Go and do it. I don't care what happens in the middle. Master, master, we can't do this. Do you see what happened right there? Because these things were happening. Man, I thought everything was going to be good, and then I lost my job. And now the plan of God is just thrown up in the air. I thought everything was going to happen, and then my kids went off, and they did this. And I don't know what's going to happen now. My landlord said that I have 30 days to move out, and I don't know what's going to happen now because I can't find anything else. And God said, no, I told you that you're going to go to the other side. I don't care what happens in the middle. I've made provision for you. I've already made provision for you. First Peter. This is very interesting. First Peter chapter 4. The context of this is these are God's people who have been abandoned after Jesus had gone to heaven and I say abandoned, they were abandoned on earth. They held the Holy Spirit inside of them, make no mistake. But they have been abandoned here on earth. They have been pushed aside. They had it coming from two directions because the Judaizers wanted to take them out just like they took Jesus out. And the Romans were coming down and they wanted to invade and take them out. Nobody liked these guys. And they didn't know what was going to happen from day to day. As we read these last few books of the Bible, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 2nd, 3 John, and Jude, as you read those books, how many was that? Five, six. Math is not my strong suit, all right? So as we read these six books, read them in mind, with this in mind that they didn't know if this was going to be the last conversation that they had with one another. If communication was going to be totally cut off and you can feel the urgency and so look at Peter here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't, this is out of the Message Bible, by the way, don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job. And then he says, instead, be glad because you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. He didn't say, man, when you go through something, I'm just gonna take it from you just like that. But what he said is, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Amen. Right? Be of good cheer. See, when you face something, don't jump to conclusions that, oh man, we perish now. This is it. This is the end of the line. This is it. Forget about it. I'm not coming back from this one. I'm going to give away all my old CDs. This is all. I don't know why I said that. CDs. <laughs> this is it. You can have them. You can have it. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad because you're in the very, th you're just like Jesus. He faced hard times too. What did he do? He went to sleep in the boat. You're just like him. And there's glory right around the corner because you're going to the other side. Amen? Praise God. We're going, say we're going to the other side. Say it like you mean it. We're going to the other side. All right, let's get into the meat of what we got today. We've got, uh, <laughs> I look at that clock, I just laugh. <laughs> Judges chapter 6, verse 11. We won't be too long. If I don't get you out by lunch, I'll get you out by dinner. 
Judges chapter 6, verse 11. If I don't get you out in time to catch the 2 o'clock kickoff, then I'll get you by the 6.30 kickoff. Does that work? (laughs) Judges chapter 6. You know, we've got a lot of Cowboy fans in here. We've got, a lot of, we've got a lot of Bronco. I'm a Bronco fan. We've got a lot of Bronco fans in here. We've got some Raider fans in here. Nobody's team is worth anything this year, you guys. I can't even talk smack. I'm like, man, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Some teams are worse than others, though. I can say that. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree. Now I'm going to give you some definitions here and we're going to use those throughout this story, okay? And so you might want to jot them down or if you've got a mind like a steel trap, then you'll remember them. Now the angel of the Lord came and he said unto the oak tree, which was at Ophrah, not Oprah, but Ophrah. It's not like you get an oak tree and you get an oak tree and you get an oak tree. <laughs> it belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, and if I'm saying those wrong, then keep it to yourself. But I, I dare say that you don't know how to say it either, all right? So, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. All right, so a little, a little context here. The Midianites had oppressed God's people for six years at this point, all right? Six years. And the angel of the Lord, let me go back through and I'm going to break this down a little bit. The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak tree. Now an oak tree, or some translations say the terebinth tree, but an oak tree is the closest thing that we have that we know what is. And so I just used oak tree rather than terebinth tree. But he said under the oak tree, one thing that oak trees are known for, you, you hear about like the, the old oak tree, the large, substantial, strong oak tree, right? This is the oak tree. It's been there for a while. It's stood the test of time. It's faced the winds. It's faced the storms. And it's stood strong. This is the oak tree. All right, let's go on. He says that the angel came, he sat under the oak tree. This is no ordinary oak tree, but this oak tree was in Ophrah, and it belonged to Joash. This is not just an oak tree. This was Joash's oak tree. What does the word Joash mean? Joash means Jehovah God is fire. I want you to remember that. Jehovah God is fire, Joash. Joash was, he belonged to the, the, the tribe, the clan, the family, the Abyssalite, all right? This oak tree, this strong, substantial force belonged to Joash, which means God, Jehovah God is fire. And Joash belonged to the Abyssalites or those who have come to help, all right? Those who have come to help. So Joash's son, Gideon. Gideon belonged to Joash, which means God, Jehovah God, is fire. Gideon was a a member of the Abyssalites, which means the one who has come to help. So Joash had this oak tree, and his son Gideon also had lineage to that oak tree. You think, my gosh, you're breaking it down really far. It's important. Hold on. Hang with me, all right? Don't get too confused. 
It says Gideon, he threshed wheat. Wheat. You guys should see my iPad right now. It was like, I don't know what happened right then, but it was like just projectile like bavas come out. Joash, no, Gideon, he was threshing wheat in order to hide, stop laughing, in order to hide from the Midianites, all right? Now, where you threshed wheat, wheat, wheat thins, wheat thins, where you, I can't say that word today, where you threshed wheat was in a vault, down deep, hidden from everything else. That's the wine press. And he was threshing his wheat back behind the wine press, the vault. We went, this kind of came to life to me when uh, Tiffany and I went on a cruise back in in January. And um, we visited a vineyard. We did these ATV rides, which is super fun. Um, But, and at at the place, they had a vineyard. We got to tour it. And so we went down into the vaults. And my gosh, it was, it was down. I mean, we climbed downstairs, and it was dark in there, and, and we went down into the vault. So Gideon, he was threshing wheat, and he was so scared that he went down into these vaults because he didn't want anybody to see him. He was so scared of the Midianites. What does Midianites mean? Someone who comes to bring conflict and judgment. Someone who comes to bring conflict and judgment. Can anybody relate? You have anybody in your life that seems like their purpose is just to bring conflict and judgment? You ever have situations in your life that makes you feel like just about that big because you can't ever do enough? And then every little mistake is just exploited? Bringing conflict and bringing judgment into your life. Six years they were bringing conflict and judgment and conflict and judgment. And they had beaten down poor Gideon so much that he felt like he had to go to the deepest, darkest place to do his job just so they could sustain themselves. He had to run away because of conflict and judgment that was brought. You ever felt that way? You just avoid situations so you don't have to deal with it, right? I believe it's time to stop because you've been held back for too long. I believe that it's time that we stop letting those who bring conflict and judgment influence us more than our God does. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. It's time to stop letting those who bring conflict and judgment have a greater influence than your God. Verse 12. Now the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now for years and growing up, I would hear the story of Gideon, and I always, when, when I heard this, and Gideon, you mighty man of valor, that God was calling him the way he wanted him to be. The scripture talks about calling things that be not as though they were. So Gideon, he was obviously weak, he was obviously scared, he was hiding, doing his job, hiding from the Midianites, and the angel comes and he says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. But that's not the case at all. God wasn't calling him what he wanted to be. God was calling him by his name. Remember, remember, his family owns the oak tree. 
strong and substantial. What did God put in there? The angel was standing under the oak tree. Well, good. Yay, it was an oak tree. I don't care what it was. He was standing next to the rose bush. I don't know. No, he put that in there for a reason. This oak tree, it was important. It was the oak tree that belonged to Joash. It was his oak tree. Why? Because his family was strong. His family was substantial. His family carried on, and it's been there as a leader. But see, Gideon, he began to call himself something different. He began to call himself. So when the angel came and he said, hey, Gideon, you mighty men of valor, what he was saying is, Gideon, you strong and courageous man, your family name is substantial, and it is firm, and it stood the test of time. I'm just calling you by your name. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is really with us, huh, have we ever said anything like this? If the Lord is really with us, then why do all these bad things happen to us? If the Lord is really with us, why did all this happen? And where are all the miracles? You did a miracle for that guy. Why aren't you doing a miracle for me? I've seen, man, I heard that testimony on Sunday where you did that miracle for that girl that was a missionary or whatever, but look at me. Where am I at? God, the miracles our fathers told us about. Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of conflict and judgment. You just forgot about me and you left me alone and you put me in the hands of conflict and judgment over and over again and that's all I get. Where are you at, God? Let me say this, it's time that you stop allowing your current situation to form your view of what God's purpose is for your life. It's time to stop letting your current situation form your view of what God's purpose is for your life. Remember, First Peter, he said, don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job just because you faced a challenge or a storm. Because Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake, right? Praise God, right? Say, we're going to the other side. Say it again, we're going to the other side. Verse 14, and then the Lord turned to him and he said, go in this might of yours. <laughs> it's so important. The angel shows up, he says, hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, I'm calling you by your family name. And Gideon's all, oh, you want to come now? I see how it is. You, but all these times that I needed help, where were you at? He doesn't even acknowledge that. He says, all right, so what I want you to do is go in this might of yours. Gideon's like, did you not understand anything that I just said? Go in this might of yours. Go in your lineage. Go in your, how many know that our lineage is no longer flesh and blood, but our lineage is Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. Praise God. So when we say go in this might of yours, I don't say go in all the problems that maybe you've had passed down generation to generation. I don't say go in these things. I say I want you to go in the lineage of Jesus Christ that you carry. I want you to go in this might of yours. Amen? Praise God. Go in this might of yours, and you will save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so he said, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. 
My clan is the weakest in the whole region. Man, we are so weak. We got nothing to offer. Now, we know from what he says up above, that's a total lie. Because their family lineage is God is fire. Their family lineage is I'm the one that has come to help. See, Gideon, he was ordained for this. He was called for this. God gave him this from birth. I am called to go and to free God's people. I'm the one who is called to help. In fact, I even own an oak tree that's substantial and firm and strong, but Gideon has believed the lies of the enemy over and over again that his reaction was, no, I can't do that. I can't go out. I can't save God's people. We are the weakest in the land. The angel's like, no, you're not, bro. You don't understand. You don't understand. You were made to be strong. You were created to be strong. Look, He says, we are the weakest, and I'm the least of the house. But the Lord said to him, no, 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 I'm gonna be with you, and you're gonna defeat the Midianites as one man, as one man. We're gonna get into that next week. But let me say this, it's time that you stop calling yourself by the name that you've given yourself, and you start calling yourself by the name that God has given you. It's time that you stop calling yourself by your hurts. You stop calling yourself. You stop naming yourself by the problems and the troubles that you faced in your life. It's time that you stop labeling and naming yourself by how other people see you, that you begin to call yourself redeemed. You begin to call yourself the righteousness of God. You begin to call yourself an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Amen? You begin to call yourself healed. You call yourself whole. You call yourself the leader that God has called you to be. It's time. And then he said to him, so, all right, you say that I found favor in your sight. All right, you say that I can go out and do this stuff. I don't believe you. But that's what you say. So, show me a sign. Show me a sign. Now, I always saw this as a a lack of faith. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. This was a lack of faith on Gideon's part, but, but I just want you to put yourself in Gideon's shoes. You've been beaten down your whole life. God comes and he calls you to something great. I don't think that God counts it against us when we say, eh, I don't really know, man. I don't think I can do that. I don't think God gets offended by that. Gideon's all, hey, you know what? I, I'm still having trouble with this. I don't know. Why don't you show me a sign? God's like, all right, here we go. I'm gonna show you a sign that's gonna rock your world right here. Oh, this is good right here. This is so good. He says, do not depart from here. I pray until I come back, and I'm gonna bring you an offering, and I'm gonna set it out to you. So Gideon's like, all right, if this is for real, I want you to just stay right here. Don't move. I'm gonna go get an offering. I'm gonna come back, all right? So what he does, he goes and he cooks like the greatest meal that he can think of. He does his absolute best. He comes to Gideon. I mean, he comes to the angel. Gideon comes to the angel. He brings him a prepared young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour and meat to put in a basket. And he put broth in a pot and he set them out under the oak tree. Here's the oak tree again. He sets them out under the oak tree. 
He's like, you know what? I feel like I'm weak, but you say I'm strong. So here's a symbol of strength and stability, and this is the best I got. I'm bringing everything I have, and I'm gonna set it down. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. Anybody remember what Joash's name meant? His dad? Jehovah God is fire, all right? Jehovah God is fire. This family has been stable. This family has been firm. This family has been the standard setter. So he goes to that oak tree, and he puts down the best that he has, and he said, I've worked so hard. Here's my sacrifice. I'm gonna lay it down before you. Here we go. He brought it. He put it under the oak tree, and the angel said, now take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay it on this rock and pour the broth, and so he did. Anytime that we see rock in scripture, it's a type of the law. How many know that when Jesus came, that he came and he fulfilled the law, and now we are not under an era of the law, but we're under an era of grace, amen? Amen. Praise God. So he said, here's what I want you to do. You prepared this awesome sacrifice, the best that you could do. I want you to take it. I want you to put it on this rock. Sometimes we go out and we're like, God, I can't do this, but I I know that I don't measure up, but here's the best I have. I'm going to lay it down. And I try to measure it according to the law. I try to measure it, and I don't measure up. I can't quite measure up. I'm not good enough for this. God, I can't do it. I brought the best I have. And you tell me to measure it up against the law, but look. And then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And what rose out of the rock? His family name. Fire rose out of the rock. Jehovah God is fire. It rose up out of the rock, and it consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. See, it didn't just cook it. It consumed it. It didn't just cook it. See, he was like, I'm gonna bring this to you. And the angel was like, no, your family name is Jehovah God is fire, and I'm gonna show that to you. Go ahead and place everything that you think you are on the sacrifice, on the rock, on the law. And then Jesus comes up, Jehovah, God with us, comes up, Emmanuel, comes up and consumes and he consumes the meal. He consumes what we thought was our best. He consumes all of it. And then, look. It says, the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And Gideon perceived that it was an angel of the Lord and said, alas, God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear you will not die. It's time that you stop looking at your attempt at perfection as your guide and you start looking to his perfection as your identity. Stop looking as your, at your attempt at perfection to be your guide. And you look to his perfection as your identity. It's not about what I can muster up. It's about who he is. It's about who he has made me. It's about what my family name is. And then it's important here. Gideon finally got it. He said, you're an angel of the Lord. Alas, I have seen an angel face to face. 
And then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. You will not die. What did the disciples say? Oh my gosh, master, master, we've died. And he stood up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Here, he tells Gideon, peace be with you. You will not die. Last thing, it's time that you recognize that your peace that you've been searching for is found in your acknowledgement of his lordship. The peace you've been searching for is found in the acknowledgement of his lordship. Today, I'm gonna have the worship team come up. Today, maybe you've never acknowledged his lordship. What's time? It's time. The peace that you've been looking for is found in the acknowledgement of his lordship. You've been in turmoil. You've been struggling. You don't know what to do. Jesus is here. And he says, I'm your everything. I'm your hope. I'm your strength. I'm your joy. I'm your peace. I'm your salvation. Let him be your salvation. And acknowledge his lordship today. We do this by receiving him into our lives. Let's go ahead and bring those lights down too. We do that by receiving him as our Lord and as our Savior. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. What we're gonna do in just a moment is I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you've never said that prayer before, what we're, what we're saying is, Jesus, I give you permission to come into my life, to be my Lord. I'm gonna follow you. I recognize that your way is better than my way and I can't do it on my own. Scripture says it this way. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, then we'll be saved. See, that's what it's about. So if you've never said that before, if you've never invited Jesus in, I want to ask you to say this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask everybody in here to say it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, it's not about singling somebody out or making you feel uncomfortable or weird. We're all family in here. So I'm going to ask you to join with me and say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. Because I can't do it on my own. But God, I give my life to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, thank you once again for joining us today online. We want to connect with you, and we can do so one of three ways. You can email us church at wolcarlsbad.com. You can connect with us via our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wolcarlsbad. Or you can click contact us via our app or our website. We would love to hear from you, and we want you to know that God is madly in love with you. Thanks for joining us.